You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. And welcome to Spookulative Evolution. Hello, Allie. Hello, Will. Hello, David. Ah ha ha! Ah ha 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 ha! Will. <laughs> and hello, listeners. Welcome to episode three of 2021's Spookulative Evolution. Spooky! Woo! Today we're talking about mandrakes. Oh. <laughs> well, last two episodes. Last two episodes. We talked about human eating plants mm-hmm. and uh, moving trees. Yes. So in this episode, we're going to talk about mandrakes. Now, for anyone new to this series, Spookulative Evolution, or Spook E is our series where we take classic monsters, creatures, critters from movies, myths, and legend and say, what if they were to evolve on our planet under the rules of evolution and natural selection? How could something come to be that resembled them? So we put our scientific experience and knowledge and creativity to the test of trying to do just that. Yeah. Now, it's just meant to be fun. It's not meant to be anything you know definitive or, or definite on the history of these creatures or which features we decide to use or how we just think they might evolve. There's lots of ways all of these things could be interpreted. This is just to have fun. Yeah. And usually we are just putting our two minds together, but every year for Spooky has a theme. Yep. And this year's theme is plant monsters, which is why Allie's here. Yeah, <laughs> I am the plant friend. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise all of these would just be Animals mimicking plants. Pretty, oh, yeah. <laughs> I am pretty sure that so far in both of the other episodes, at some point, you have said, well, we could do this with an animal. Like, no, that's not yeah, why I'm could. here. <laughs> I'm throwing the, I'm throwing the, the, that it is an option. Yeah, we have to mention it so that we can explain why we're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but we've done that twice, so we can leave that part I out now. I almost want to say yes. So just to throw y'all off, like, wait, no, you weren't supposed to agree to that. Right. Are you feeling all right? <laughs> My day job, I work with animals, so, you know. <laughs> well, today's episode, we have the Mandrake. This is our first of, like, the mythical monsters for this season. The last two were much more modern or, you know, the moving talking trees were very mythical, but a lot of the others were more recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is one of those old school medieval bestiary monsters. The mandrake, for those who aren't familiar with it, is typically portrayed as a root of a plant that when you pull it out is shaped like a person or a little baby. And then it screams and that scream often kills you. Right. Like a like a loud <laughs> baby shaped deadly potato. Yes. <laughs> So let's get into a little bit of the history. What is this monster and what are its features? Uh, First and foremost, though, this is also our first creature. And one of the only times this has happened in Spooky where the mandrake is a real thing. Yes. Mandrake root is a legitimate thing. You can find, you can go buy mandrake root if you really, really wanted to. It doesn't scream and kill you. No, it doesn't do anything like that. Yet. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) We'll we'll be working on that. That's what we're going to (laughs) do. So mandrake root, it is typically referring to the root of the plant when you hear of mandrake, is the root of plants from the genus Mandragora, typically found in the Mediterranean regions, though sometimes it may refer to the plant Bryonia alba, which is the English mandrake, but it has similar properties to the traditional, the Mediterranean mandrake. The roots of these plants are toxic. They contain alkaloid toxins, 
uh, the plants themselves, you know, not just the roots, but the leaves and the roots particularly have high concentrations of these toxins to levels that they can be considered poisonous. A number of the symptoms that I found written out for it were blurred vision, dilation of the pupils, dryness of the mouth, difficulty in urinating, dizziness, headache, vomiting, blushing, and rapid heart rate. Huh. So the the plant doesn't scream and then you die. But maybe you scream. <laughs> but you might. Right. So unsurprisingly, mandrake, mandragora, is in the deadly nightshade family. There yeah, you that go. Makes sense. It's in Solanaceae. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a family whose shared traits include not only being really bad for you, but also featuring prominently in mythical stories. Yes. Yes, also true. I looked it up because I wasn't sure and... The English mandrake is in Cucurbitaceae, which is the cucumber family. Oh, oh an evil cucumber. E- equally as sinister. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask cats. This is true. They knew. <laughs> they always knew. Well, th- this, though it has terrible side effects, in certain quantities have been used in medicinal purposes. It can induce unconsciousness if it's used in the right amount and has been used as an anesthetic during surgery in ancient times in various cultures. But unsurprisingly, as you just mentioned, it started becoming associated with the occult and superstitious and supernatural practices. Cool. Uh, because most hallucinogenic toxic plants do at some point. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> the hallucinogenic properties led to this. The shape of the root does sometimes resemble a human shape with kind of arms and kind of legs coming off of it. It has multiple root lobes coming off that can look like a little person doll. Yeah, kind of, I'm thinking kind of like a ginger root. Yeah, exactly. Will sometimes look like a little doll. Mm-hmm. And so it started to become associated with supernatural practices and superstitions beginning to circle around it. Now, not all of these were monstrous. Some of them were pretty benign. Uh, it was believed that a amulet of mandrake root would bring good fortune and even cure sterility, things like that. So it was actually a good thing to have. But then it also was often considered to be one of like the, if not main, but regular ingredients in like witches' brews and potions and uh, you know magic elixirs, which then also led into the more monstrous stories about it. You know, we can see how that's a kind of a logical progression. Not all of which though represented the mandrake monster. I found one description that was talking about making a mandrake. In the same way that it, that you would see old texts talk about making a homunculus, a, a artificial person. Huh. huh. And they even compared it to the homunculus, which is a alchemy feature. It is the ultimate achievement of alchemy to make a artificial uh, man in a bottle. And it gave you instructions on how to do that, how to go about making a mandrake, a mandragora. It told you to find a root of a plant called bryony, take it out of the ground on a Monday, the day of the moon, Naturally. Mm, yes. A little bit of time after the vernal equinox, cut off the ends, and then bury it at night in a churchyard in a dead man's grave. Okay. Yep. Where the magic happens. Yeah, yeah. Wait 30 days. Right. But we luckily have pre- prepared a mandrake earlier. <laughs> Here's one we prepared earlier. <laughs> and during those 30 days, though, you need to water it with cow's milk. Huh. Hmm. In which three bats have been drowned. Oh, no. 
That's the saddest part so far. I was going to say, you had me up until that right? part. I was going to make my mandragora this weekend. <laughs> no, vertical equinox. I was following yeah, right. directions. If you're watering something with milk, aren't you milking it, but you're not milking right? it? Right. Yeah. Yep. I Weird. don't think that's what that verb means. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the 31st day, remove it in the middle of the night, dry it in an oven heated with the branches of ver- verbena, and then wrapping it in a piece of dead man's winding sheet, which I assume is like the wrapping. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that is. Sure. And then carry it with you. And now you have a mandrake. Huh. I don't know what the purpose of creating it uh, was. I didn't find that listed. I was going to say, why would, why would you create a mandrake? I didn't find that listed. It wasn't in the wiki article. And I didn't find it mentioned otherwhere when I looked it up as to like why you'd want to do this. But this was a description having to do with how you make a mandrake. The DIY mandrake. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just get too fixated whether or not you can do something. You don't think about whether or not you should. <laughs> now I've got one. I'll find something to do with it. Yes. But also, hold on. Sorry. Back up. It's wrapped in cloth. You right. can't see if you did it right. Like, no one can tell. Like, oh, yes, I did. I followed the yeah. instructions and I have acquired a mandrake. Like, well, I mean, why, why, why would I lie about that? Right. <laughs> Exactly. I took a month to make this thing. Why would I tell fibs? Why would I lie about drowning three deaths in a a bucket of milk and then pouring it on some dude's grave? Why would I make something like that up? You're right. It's so wild. It just has to be true. Right? Do you just aim your mandrake at people that offend you? Well, I don't even know if this is the same one that screams. Like, it didn't even mention that this is one of the screaming ones. Uh, because most of the myths that talk about them screaming don't have anything to do with you creating it. That's just something the plant does. God, like a monster. Yeah. This is the English version, too. Yes. Yeah, we're using Bry- Bryonia. Yeah, so maybe, maybe the English deal with Mandrake differently. Right? They, it's like, if you can't make your own, store-bought is fine. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the Mandrake story a la Mary Shelley. Yes. Yes. Yep. Oh, yes. Don't worry, we'll get to do it, too, at the end of this episode. Okay, that's true. (laughs) We will give you the the instructions we in the blog. I I forgot that I get get to do this at the end. I'm like, I want to make a mandrake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the mandrake we will be making is the monstrous creature mandrake, the the monster plant that you have to be careful with. There were a couple of myths when it comes to pulling a mandrake out. I saw one that said, those who pull a mandrake out will be condemned to hell. And I don't know if it just meant, like, when you die or because it's about to kill you. Right. But that there was some more of that witchy connection. But the typical myth is that the mandrake is a plant and above ground, fine, normal plant. But if you pull it out, it will scream and anyone nearby will either be driven insane, knocked unconscious, or killed instantly. Murder plant. Yes. It's a murder plant. (laughs) The mandrake is often described as having roots that are in human form, both male or female. Like, it is Hmm. just human form, but, like, legitimately a person, basically. Anatomically correct. Yeah, like, it is a human, you know, root. Huh. And that it screams when you pull it out. It was believed to be extremely useful in medicine, and so there was reason to go get it, but if this plant screams and kills me... uh, How do I get it out of the ground? Right. You need more instructions. Exactly. 
So there were instructions on how to safely handle and extract mandrake roots in various historical writings. There was two different accounts that I, uh, I came across. One was from Jerusalem, somewhere between 30 and 100 AD, written by someone named Josephus. I, I assume a historian would probably be able to tell me who they are, but I didn't find any extra info about this person. From History of the World Part 1. Yes. <laughs> who wrote instructions on how to remove a mandrake root and said, you must dig a furrow around the plant, around its roots, until you can see the lower parts, but you haven't actually exposed the root yet. Then tie a dog to the top of the plant. A dog? A dog to the top of the plant. You step back and throw a piece of meat in front of the dog, uh, though some would say that the dog wanting to follow the person will follow the person. Uh, but either way, the dog then tries to walk away from the plant and uproots the plant for you. Right. And then once it's uprooted, you can handle it without fear and deal with the dead dog. Right. <laughs> oh! Didn't we have a story in one of the previous episodes where a dog survived? Yes. The devil yes, snare. The, um, the vampire. Yeah, the devil snare. That was it. So yeah. a sadder story Yes, today. no. This one is you sacrificing dogs. Uh, well, others just would get say... a longer rope. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need clarification for these instructions. So the way that I was visualizing it was like pedestaling a fossil. Yeah, I had the same thought. Right? Mm -hmm. So you're like going around it and then you have to undercut it. But in my head, you could like see its ankles. So like it was still like the head part should have still been encased. Mm -hmm. So it, if it yells, it's just yelling in dirt. <laughs> well, and couldn't you, if you do need to get it out, couldn't you just like wedge that between some branches and then tie a really long rope and mm -hmm. walk to the other end of the rope and pull it out right? and save your dog? <laughs> <laughs> or earplugs. Yep. Feels like earplugs would work yep. too. Yep. <laughs> nope. Gotta kill a dog. All right, Josephus. This was really common. Like when you look up Mandrake myths, it would be like, they, they're shaped like a person. They yell and kill you. The way to remove them is by tying a dog to them. Though sometimes they would just mention, you know, tying livestock or something and having them pull it out. Sometimes it's throwing food in front of a hungry dog. Sometimes it's the dog wants to follow its master and dies trying to get back with you. Uh, <laughs> it's real messed up. Wow. Now, a different accounting from the 12th century from the British Library gave a more detailed instructions on how you find a mandrake. And it adds some interesting features. If you want to find a mandrake, you must look at it, look for it at night. Because it shines like a lamp at night. Huh, like the leaves sticking up out of yeah, the ground? Yeah, it gives off light. It never specified which part and how brightly, huh. but it glows. Huh. When you see it, mark around it with iron so it doesn't escape you. Right, fairies. Uh, yep, right. which is, is the fae. Mm -hmm. I knew that. Uh, <laughs> they, they said that if it sees an unclean man coming to it, it will run away. Uh, so shower so first. take a shower, yeah. <laughs> Once again, we need to dig around it. Uh, you can't use an iron shovel because you'll damage it. So you have to use an ivory stake. Huh. When you see the foot, so once again, when you see the bottom of the plant, tie it to a hungry dog and place food some distance away. Or Ooh. this one gives you a secondary option. Uh, you can tie a rod to the plant with a rope and lever it out like a fishing pole, basically, uh, which is exactly what you were saying. Just yeah. you know, get a long rope. Get a long rope. All right. You tie the, the rope to the back of your pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, right. And you drive off. <laughs> Did it work? That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, how far is the range of this murder plant? 
Right. It never specified how far away you needed to be, but that you needed to be far enough away to not be for the scream to not be deadly. So there is a a range to it, but I never found anything that specified not even some vague thing of like at least 30 paces. Yeah. It was just then you get the hay out of there and kill your dog. Right. I'm glad this time we got an alternative. <laughs> Yes, this one literally, it just says you tie it to a pole and then you pull it until the pole bends and springs it out. Someone came up with that and told another guy and he went, oh man. (laughs) Oh, Sparky. So many dead dogs. (laughs) How also, 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 how many mandrakes do y'all need? Lots of sick people. I kind of want to know how many actual dogs died from people trying to do this. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's real depressing if they actually died, because that means you're just like, well, you haven't pulled the plant out yet, so I'll come back or something. Like, because... I guess that's true. They wouldn't actually die. (laughs) So if they did die, that's because you you just left a dog tied to a plant. That's a fair point. Probably no dogs died. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that that helps. Oh, God. I guess how many dogs were mistreated. Yes. Yeah. Come on! Oh, poor puppy. Now, that's basically the gist of... The monster, like, it doesn't seem to do anything, even though it's suggested it might be able to run away from you. Like, it's mm-hmm. never suggested that they... With its little legs. Yeah, with So it's never suggested that they are monstrous unless disturbed. You know, then they are... Their defense mechanism is deadly. But there is a little bit more of their mythos in how they are created. And this is fascinating. This is mostly in German mythology from what I found. But... Typically, mandrakes grow where the drippings of a hanged man have landed on the ground. So they grow beneath gallows when the blood or other... Yeah, I was about to say, uh, (laughs) hanging shouldn't cause a whole lot of bleeding. Yeah, sometimes it's supposed to be the seed of the man, because myths are gross. Sure. Sometimes it's the urine, or sometimes the blood. The fluids. The fluids, exactly. The, the drippings. drippings. Yeah. Wow. That was the way it was worded in one of them. I don't like it. In Germany, the plant's called the Little Gallows Man. Oh. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's so good. Oh, they got wash bears and Little Gallows Man. Right? And they believe that it only grows under a thief who is hung. Uh, either a thief or a hereditary thief, someone who was born of thieves, Hmm. you know, whose family is thieves or whose mother stole while pregnant with them. Right. Uh, Sometimes it's a wrongly accused thief, person who was accused of thievery and, and, and admitted to it under torture or pressure. Sometimes it's that it's not true is the reason it grew. That is such mixed signals. Either it's there because they were a thief or maybe because their family were thieves or maybe because they were not actually a thief. Yep. Myths. Yep. (laughs) But regardless, they all agree that it grows under wherever this person is hung. It's never given a reason why, but that that's how you get these little people plants that scream. Now, these monsters are, are... you know, there's a decent history to them. They, ha- I didn't find a ton of media examples. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't show up as many places as some of the other ones we've talked about. Yeah. The one that comes to mind most for me, that's my favorite example, is Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I didn't get the year, but b- brilliant movie about a, a little girl who goes to live at the house of a, a general or a commander that her white her mom has now 
married, and he is just a horrible, horrible... He's the worst. ...dictator of a man, and is, is actively being rebelled against by the people of the countryside. So she goes off into fantasy to escape the horrible life that she's having to live, and it's never made completely clear whether it is actually happening or in her head. Right. Like another movie called yeah. Labyrinth. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's brilliant, and it's Guillermo del Toro, so all the creatures are amazing. Right. This is the one, if anyone doesn't recognize the title light off the bat, with the guy with the eyes on his hands. Yes. Which is yep. what Allie is doing. The pale man. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I know that. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's intense, but it's pretty good. I love it so much. At one point, so spoilers from here on out, That's that was just the you know plot, the synopsis one of the plot elements is that her mother is sick and she befriends a fawn who becomes kind of her guide through this magical world. And when she tells the fawn that her mother is is dying, the fawn says, all right, here is a mandrake root. Put this beneath your mother's bed in a bowl of milk and feed it some of your blood and it will heal your mother. And so she does. She takes the mandrake root to her mom's room. She pours out a bowl of milk. When she puts the mandrake in there, it starts to unfurl and move around and make little baby noises. And something I noticed re-watching it to make sure I remembered the scene correctly this time is it mirrors her mom's movements. It's Ooh. it's simulating her movements, so it's syncing up with her mom's, uh, her sick mom in the bed. Uh, and then she puts it under the bed, bites her finger, and drips the blood into the uh, onto the mandrake root. It doesn't have a face that we see, but feeds it some of her blood. And then her mom starts to improve until later in the movie when her you know, now dad, the general guy, finds it and is getting all mad at her. And her mom says she'll talk to her and tells her that fantasy is not real. You need to live in the real world and throws the mandrake root in the fire where it screams and dies. And so like, and it's never made like the mom doesn't seem to recognize the sound, but that their version of the mandrake kind of has a, a connection to the medicinal qualities Right, right. Uh, but it also is watered with milk. Yeah, and blood. And blood. Yeah. So, yeah. There are other versions that have shown up, but most of those are just the mythical version. Like, there's nothing unique mm-hmm. about their other showings. Is They're just uprooted. They scream, and you're not supposed to listen to it. Right. That is the gist of any other time they've shown up that I've seen in media, so there's not really anything particularly different in those. Not worth noting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The Mandrake. So... For our spooculative evolution, speculative evolution, to evolve a mandrake, we are looking at, at the very least, a human-shaped root that screams. And like, it's kind of got to make noise. It's got to uh, make noise. Like, even even though the Pan's Labyrinth one didn't scream... It still makes baby noise. It was still vocal. It was still making noise. That has to be person-shaped. And we've got a few other elements we can play with. Yeah. Now, as always, this brings us to our magical disclaimer... True. There are aspects of this plant that are magical, you know, especially the fact that it's supposed to be associated with witchcraft and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that it's supposed to be like a person, you know, a person that's a root. It's, so whenever we come across magical things, those things are impossible to truly involve. We may be able to get close, but sometimes we are limited. So our disclaimer is that we can only evolve what is physically possible in our world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. So Allie, I have some thoughts, but you're our you're our <laughs> guest plant expert. Alright, I am just so hung up on the sound that I would like to hear your thoughts. Alright. I do have some thoughts. Yeah. I'm sure you do too. Yes, I do. I took some uh 
preemptive notes. My two thoughts, and I'm so I'm going to mention the two things I mentioned last episode when we talked about <laughs> getting plants to make noise. Uh, last episode, we did bring up the idea of a plant sort of uh, reacting to wind, mm-hmm. which is a possibility. Or another suggestion I did make last time, having a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. where there is something associated with the plant or within the plant that is making noise. Absolutely. Which uh, could draw upon any number of plant-to-animal symbiotic relationships uh, in the real world. So, like, this could be, like, where cicadas are Uh Uh nesting Uh or something, and you pull it out and they're disturbed and now the plant is screaming. Yeah. Oh. Which I do like. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Okay, Okay, so, like, put a pin in that. Put a pin in the sound and I want to take a detour into shape. All right. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that's easier to start with, is to figure out the shape. Sure, sure. Um, So, as I mentioned before, Mandragora is in Solanaceae. So that is the Deadly Nightshade family. I kind of like that. That feels like, that feels obvious. That already exists. I kind of don't want to just repurpose Mandragora. (laughs) Like, that just seems too easy. The English mandrake is um, in cucurbitaceae. Again, like that is an option. I am super hung up on ginger, though. Like, yeah. I yeah. really want it to be ginger root, uh, which is in uh, Zingerberaceae, which is also just a really good family. It sounds very nice. So I really want it to be a ginger. Well, ginger also has that sort of medicinal slash culinary association exactly and i don't actually know what mandragora looks like off the top of my head but ginger is very bulbous and lobed and has very people shapes sometimes yeah and you have you have ginger and you also have turmeric it's all fun fact that is also like it's just really yellow ginger like it's basically the same (laughs) uh, same shape but like even though i knew that that wasn't what you were talking about like in my head it was just a huge ginger. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they can get really big. And I could totally understand how your brain would be like, that looks like a baby. I just had like a, a slew of thoughts. I love them. That, that that both of your comments sparked off. Before I go off on that, just a quick mention. We don't have to go into tons of detail on it. But I did find research that you know plants do make noise in certain situations. That right. it has been recorded of them making ultrasonic sounds yes usually like you can hear you can measure it detect it 10 centimeters away from the plant so it's not a ruckus but it they do make sounds they do make the sounds in response to stress and their current state and i found one thing that was describing how they did it would had something to do with water channels collapsing under cavitation pressure oh but i don't fully understand the physics of exactly it's, how that's causing the sounds, but... There's just bubbles popping. Like, that's basically, basically. it. Like, oh! So they're just cracking their knuckles yes. to let you know. Oh! <laughs> and that it's a phys- yeah, so it's a physical, structural sound that they're making. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So plants can make noise. Right. Right. Not an audible to us noise no. or a kill you noise. No. In real life plants, of course. Right. But I'm really hung... I'm... We're going with it. I'm really hung up on the ultrasonic part mm-hmm. of it because, mm-hmm. like, that means you don't hear it, but a wave's a wave. And so depending on how strong it is, like, it could still, like, 
do physical damage. All I can think of though is like psychic damage though. Yeah. Right. Well, it could be like um, infrasound. Yes. Where you can't detect it with your ears, but it can give you, you anxiety can, and you can feel yeah, it. chest pressure. Yeah. yeah. And like it can, you know, it, it's what uh, has been associated with a lot of haunted buildings is that you'll find out there's something creating right, right. some sort of infrasound, some sort of vibration that's causing the back of our brain to go, I'm uncomfortable, which I also really like. But the slew of ideas I had yes. with with your two comments, uh, it, it they popped one after another. Is if there is if it is a ginger, the first thought that came to mind is like, all right, well that that could also be part of why people are going after it is it's got medicinal qualities again. But maybe it's something to where in concentrated, it's you know as just the root without being processed, it's toxic, you know, or could yeah. be very toxic. Which then made me think of. Insects like monarch butterflies whose caterpillars eat toxic plants to make yes. themselves toxic. So you could have grubs, you know, or, or larvae in the ground eating the roots to be there with it. Uh-huh. Which then made me think of your cicada mm-hmm. uh-huh. comment. And then I got a picture of cicadas flying out and screaming, you know, from where these plants are grown. Which then made me think of the fairy linkage with having to use fairy rules on the plant. I'm not saying that all of those, we have to use any of those, but that's just, <laughs> you You both made your comments and my brain went, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, ah. yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, those are all, those are all good points. And it totally makes sense that a parasite in this case uh, would have a mechanism to protect its host. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, if your host is up, well, protect your host, but also if it's uprooted, you're protecting yourself yes. from being dug out of the host. Uh, I'll direct this question at Allie. Why is ginger shaped that way? Ooh. Because I'm thinking if we have a root that is baby shaped, it could just be that it's kind of bulbous and just like ginger in real life mandragora. People just sometimes look at it and the paradoia kicks in and they go, oh, yeah, it looks like a little baby. But could there be a reason why a plant root might look? Like especially look. Especially like a baby? Especially baby. Hmm. I I feel like that's something that I should know, and I'm surprised that it's like it's what it's when a kid asks you a sorry yeah right it's like when a kid asks you a question you're like why don't I know that it's like when a person who doesn't know what they're talking about asks you a question about it yeah no I got you well a preliminary thought is what if it grows lobes what if the lobes are a deformation caused by a parasite inside of it and this insect specifically lays like four eggs at a time or something so you get yeah like limb bulbs so they're starchy like tubers are Mm -hmm. starch like potatoes Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff so like generally i don't know if this is entirely true but off the top of my head like the ones that i'm familiar with but that's also gonna be because of where i live they tend to be more temperate, and I feel like that's it. It's like a, it's a way to hold on to these starches, these sugars, like, over winter. So, yeah, like, that's maybe, but that would also be really good for if there's a, if there's an insect friend that, that needs some food, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is perfect. Now, the other idea I had in relation to them being baby-shaped, uh, now, I, I've only ever heard this anecdotally, so I don't know if there's actually ever been research into it, but in one of, like, the original cosmos with carl sagan he referenced the story of the the face crabs the back of their armor looks like a kind of caricature of a a warrior's face a a scowling face and that the idea is when they would bring up those crabs and see the face they wouldn't 
take them because they had they oh. assumed a, a religious uh, significance to them. People may have selected it. Yeah. But so you go out to pull up ginger root and you see one that has a baby face and you go, no, no, I'm going to put that one yeah. back in the. Yeah. Yeah. How about how about we go for the next one? <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like eating this one. <laughs> That's a cool idea. Uh, and I don't know that that like I I remember after I heard about that I saw something saying that they don't eat those crabs anyway, so like that there might not be right. That right. doesn't seem that like situation. A super strong selective pressure, but it could be something that could happen here, maybe. Yeah, and isn't there like something with? rattlesnakes having smaller rattles like being selected for smaller rattles because we kill the ones we hear right yes. right well it's like elephants yeah mm-hmm. exactly are, they're are evolving smaller tusks uh or no tusks yep. because we kill the ones that have tusks yep, yep. Yep, yep okay so like that could be a mechanism yeah so it could be our superstitions that were kind of making them look that the way that they look i do kind of like your idea that like the shape could be related to the like parasitism and both could be true mm-hmm. like the if it parasites cause the shape but then we ignore the ones that are shaped more baby-esque that selection pressure on the parasite in the plant yes all right so like there we go like that could be it like there's something about the shape of the gulls that form on this root that look like babies yeah even if it was just a baby's face yeah like true true even I mean, if it didn't have get... all four limbs but a yeah. uh, baby's face would that would do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it occurs to me also that if we are invoking something inside the plant to make noise and help give it its shape, uh, larvae was my sort of initial "you're buried underground" idea. Mm-hmm. It could also be a hive. Oh yeah, true. With a with the defense mechanism of it could be that you're making lots of noise, but it could also be that you're sending out soldiers to go sting yeah. people that are an associated bad effect with the sound that comes with it that was one of the ideas i had when first putting the notes together was that the sound and the paralysis or death could be uh, unrelated that there's a it mm-hmm. makes a loud noise somehow but then the plant is toxic and you touched it and now you're yeah that's true and now you're dead the a person <laughs> walks up and sees you dead next to this plant yep yeah or watches you pull it out of the ground it screams then you go Ugh! Oh, but especially it has the it has the walking through a spider web in the distance yeah, tissue. Yes. Or like getting attacked by a bee where someone watching from a distance wouldn't notice the bugs flying out. Yeah. They just see you flipping out and they hear a noise and then you fall over. Yeah, like so anyone watching wouldn't be able to tell that you were poisoned when you died. They just yeah. see you pull a plant up, it screams, it makes noise, yep. and then you pass out. Yeah. Yeah. The plant could even have thorns mm-hmm. similar to our funeral flower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was such a good name. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> my first thought was like acacia ants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. That was the first thing I thought that like, because that is a situation where instead of it being a parasite, like they are protected by the plant to go be its attack insect. It's mutualistic. They're, yeah. They are the plant is housing the insects and they are protecting the plant. So they could be, they could be Domitia. Like that's the, they could be the houses uh, in the, in the, in the roots. Yeah. And if any group of bugs is going to protect a a colony or a home by screaming and attacking and murdering, it's going to be ants. Yes. That's a good, that's a good fit. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what, going with your toxic, it could be that the plant is toxic or it could be that when you pick it up, you get bitten by 
Toxic ants. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Like, that crawl out of it and attack you. Oh, yeah. And you wouldn't be able to see, because you might see, like, flying, like, if it were bees or whatever. But if you just right, pull right. it up, and it's ants, they're just covering you. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I just had a very visceral reaction to that. You know what the the nice thing about that is? And this this is maybe more of a stretch. But what I like about that is you could also, if it's ants, you can pick it up. You get a bunch of screamy, like, and in this case, you know, it could be wing yeah. noises, stridulation, like yeah, exactly. cicadas yeah. or grasshoppers made. Scraping something against something. Yeah. And then you get bitten a bunch, and then you keel over and you drop. And then a bunch of ants can come out and carry the <laughs> root back into its hole. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a bit fanciful, but I love the visual so much. <laughs> well, and even if they didn't carry it back into the hole, they could rebury it. They could absolutely yes. rebury it, yeah. They could definitely rebury it, and the plant could then just readjust where it's yeah. growing upward. Yeah. I've been repotted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I, I like where this is gone. I do like that. And this could even give a good connection for the blood and milk and stuff. If the ants aren't feeding on the plant. Yeah. You know, if they're still having to go out and forage. Yeah. Blood, you know, carcasses and milk and human food. That sure would attract ants, which might promote colonies of these to live around where those things are regular. Oh, yeah. Well, and you could even invoke the ants as a dispersal mechanism. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. where oh. this species settles... It could be that they're finding these roots, but it could also be that they're either bringing the root with them somehow, or they're creating an environment that is really primed for this root to grow. Well, and it could be something where when they, you know, they send out their new queens to go start nests, you know, the winged queens, they climb the plant and go past the seeds and carry seeds with them or something. Yes, I have a solution. So... (laughs) So trilliums are dispersed by ants. So the pretty white flowers with the three petals that are all over uh, in the spring, their seeds are dispersed by ants. So that is totally doable. That like new queen in the spring, like, okay, cool. I'm going to take my seed and uh, this is my new colony. Yeah. Well, and especially if like, and this is getting very specific. Yes. But if you are trying to attract an ant which maybe naturally, instinctively looks for particularly good soil, Mm -hmm. and you've got freshly disturbed soil on top of a rotting corpse that you've also poured (laughs) milk and blood onto. Yes. Yeah, that's going to be a great place for this ant to try to set up home inside of this root. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm so... I I like where... I like this journey that we have taken... Yeah, and that actually, I was thinking about it too, right? So if you like try to pull it out with your hand, you're going to get messed up. But Mm. the lever would totally work. Yeah. (laughs) Because like you just fling the the ants off. And (laughs) and that's why it would still be a problem if you like pedestaled it. Because like that's just the bottom of an ant, like an anthill. The ants are still going to get you, like, even though there's still dirt. Oh, I'm so on board with this. I like that. Ooh, there could also, maybe it could be a thing, because you talked about using the pole to get it out. But then I had a moment of like, yeah, but the ants would still be in there. Yeah. Maybe that's why you have to bathe in milk. Maybe it's not something that attracts them. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe it repels them. Yeah. And now you have to, you have to soak your mandrake root in milk for it to be safe to handle. 
gets them out of the colony. Yeah. And that's now you have your medicinal root. Ooh. I was thinking of it like a cursed pinata. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got all, I, yeah, I mean, smack all the yes. out. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I really, That's I really cool like where we ended up, and I am so glad that we didn't just try to like make Mandragora into Mandrake, right? Yeah. Well, and I also like the idea. This it was my idea, so kudos to me. I guess. <laughs> but I like my idea that I came up with. Uh, I like that what we have settled on is something that heavily emphasizes the symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's so common with plants. Yes. Oh, yeah. That that plants rely on. And I mean, we we mentioned it a bit last time mm-hmm. that uh, our plants will rely on animals for pollination or dispersal. Yeah. But and I like the idea of drawing on the real world fact that plant animal symbioses are super common. Well, yeah, especially like uh hymenoptera so like the the bees and wasps and ants and plants have been besties for a while now so like the idea of like really calling upon that that makes a lot of sense to me oh yeah oh when i was younger i i used to get a subscription of national geographics from my grandparents each year and i remember at one point just because you know it would say the topics that are in each one Mm -hmm. along the spine yeah and I had them all lined up, and at one point I noticed that, like, five of them said plants and ants, plants and ants, plants and ants, plants and ants. <laughs> and I was just like, what is going Are you just reprinting? Oh, no, they're just all different stories about plants and ants. There are well, lots that... of ants and lots of plants. <laughs> the other thing I like about this is thinking back to our main series episodes, mm-hmm. specifically episodes 57, 99, and 111. Thinking of the timing of when flowering plants show up, when ants show up, <laughs> and how old eusociality is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, this could have been around for tens of millions of years. Oh, yeah. That's very This could true. be a very ancient relationship. Well, this could be one of those things where, like, you only find these ants with mandrakes. You yeah. know, like how you find only the fungus that leaf ant, leafcutter ants mm-hmm. use are only in leafcutter colonies. Like, you yes. don't right. find that fungus growing anywhere else this could be a situation where yeah these ants are only in these roots that's how symbiotic they have become yeah oh i like that so much i actually also just like the thought that evolutionarily this was really easy to make like right we (laughs) we did not really have to like (laughs) dig too deep it was like all right this is how we get the shape yeah ants okay cool done (laughs) sorted Well, and I also like the ants making the noise because then yeah. it's not like a scream, but it could be very loud. Like, oh, yeah. like know, cicadas. Like cicadas. Yeah. Oh, and, and colonies can be very noisy as they scrape their jaws along the, you know, when you have one little jaw scraping, it's not loud, but 10,000 scraping yeah. can be very noisy. And but you wouldn't be able to hear that from a distance. So it can make sense where it's like, all right, take. Take right. 20 steps back. You won't be able to hear it. You'll be fine. Right. But your uh, dog's still in trouble. Your dog's going to be in trouble if he's tied to it. So, right. Because they're going to run right up that rope. Yep. Uh, and get to your poor dog. Yep. So we can still kill the dog, uh, which is also great which for is staying core, true to the myth. Core <laughs> aspect of the mythology. <laughs> <laughs> this no. has to be deadly to dogs. This is a dog killing plant. No. My it's actually a relative of... I, well, I, I had a thought very early on, and I... I, I either forgot to say it or I moved in a different direction. But I was going to suggest maybe mandrakes are a relative of cocoa plants. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, yeah. It's, it's chocolate. No! It's chocolate. I, no! I'm not down for this. 
I I can confirm that dogs have complicated relationships with ants because I lived in Texas with fire ants and my poor dog did not understand that she should not walk on fire ant hills. Yep. Bad things happen when you do that. And I would like basically have to like, no, we're going this way because I can't trust you not to walk on the murder ants. It's like an escort mission in a video game, trying to navigate them around mines. You like, know? But like, really though, because like, yeah. why are we doing this? For your own safety. So in this episode, we have evolved a relative or descendant of Ginger Root that is host to and dispersed by colony building ants, which I think is just all ants, by some type of ant that use sound and toxin to defend their ginger root home and who whose influence inside of the ginger root also causes it to form galls and branches and weird shapes that could easily be interpreted as limbs and or the face of a baby, particularly by our superstitious Victorian people. Yeah. Who are also swapping stories about talking trees. Yep. Yes. Yeah, the trees were talking to me, and also I pulled a baby out of the ground. <laughs> this is a terrible forest. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I, I really I really like that. I really like that. I think that it would probably if we try to place this in the world, I imagine it would probably be a more oh it could be tropical in my head we have mediterranean and yeah english are the two places of the myth so it could be it could be anywhere the ants are basically anywhere Mm -hmm. this is true well and ginger is basically everywhere so this could this could be really common this could be basically anywhere and i'm on board with that too love a cosmopolitan (laughs) murder plant right (laughs) cosmopolitan murder plant Ah, uh, yeah that that is that is a name of a band if I have ever heard. One. Oh. <laughs> when this podcast thing doesn't work out anymore, yep, we'll start a band. <laughs> Cosmopolitan murder plant. <laughs> well, I I think we did it. I I like this. I like this mandrake. We I'm got a mandrake. I'm so happy where this went. And guess what? There were animals involved, even though at the very beginning. <laughs> right? I did it. Snuck them in. I got it to work. Manifested animals. Oh man, just wait till the next episode. <laughs> see wait. what we're going to do then. I can't wait. <laughs> so, that's our Mandrake. As usual, if any of you have ideas, you listeners have ideas of how we could evolve a Mandrake or how you would evolve a Mandrake, let us know because we'd love to hear them. Please do. Uh, if you happen to draw our Mandrake, tag us and we Please. will share your art because we love the art so much. Please. We got we've gotten really cool art for a lot of our spooky creations and it's always we're not asking you to do it, we're not commissioning you to do it. I'm just saying that you would make me the happiest <laughs> podcast host if you do do it. <laughs> Uh, let us know don't feel bad if you don't i'll just be very 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 sad (laughs) no pressure what what we're saying is if you want more spooky no we're not saying that we're absolutely not saying that but uh we welcome artists to draw things uh, to share things they draw inspired by our discussions and now we have only one episode of spooky left this year only one saturday remains in the month of october for 2021 and it is an iconic one. Oh, it's going to be fun. I'm so excited, y'all. We'll be there. Allie will be there. It's true. And we hope you'll be listening, too. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the Common Descent Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and check our WordPress blog for pictures and links after each episode. Huge thanks to our patrons whose support helps keep this podcast running and who get access to bonus goodies on Patreon. The song you're hearing is called On the Origin of Species by Protodome, which we found at ocremix.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us next time.